baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Second Amendment Radio and the great outdoors. I tell you, my brother-in-law called just the other day, getting ready to head out to his property and needed some help putting up a new tree stand. And that's when that's when the season gets real for me, because it's soon to be a gun deer season, which is what I wait for every year. So uh, the cool weather, the leaves starting to fall, kind of gets the blood pumping a little bit. Oh, yeah. And our next guest on Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors, we go outdoors to Drury Outdoors, the thinking woodsman and the guy from DeerCast, Tim Jelsvik. Welcome back to Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors, sir. How are you? Bo, Mark, Carl. Hi. I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Good. Yeah. Uh, so what have you done to prepare? Uh, Mark gets all excited about it. What, about, <laughs> what have you been doing? Boy, uh, I started, uh, so in Missouri, archery season starts on September 15th. So uh, all summer I was hanging stands and running trail cameras and running some mineral sites in counties where it's allowable. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been, it feels like deer season never really ends. It's just kind of a, there are different aspects to it. Uh, so I've been, I've been hunting. I've killed a few deer for the freezer so far and had some neat encounters. I had a couple three-year-old bucks sparring in front of me oh, wow. in late September. Um, and they're, they're kind of, they're starting to feel frosty and, and wanting to <laughs> assert their dominance. And, and, uh, and, and yesterday I was out at, I hunt a property down in Bourbon, Missouri, and I saw a, a, a doe jump out of a block of timber and she was chased by something and not a couple seconds later, but there's a mature buck that came out, uh, running her down. So, so, you know, it wasn't a very serious chase but the bucks are all you know at the time we're 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 recording this the bucks are already starting to feel their oats a little bit and uh start chasing those first few uh does that might be starting to come into receptivity yeah what to just for those of us who still need to learn when you when 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 does the rut officially start i mean is it is it triggered by the weather is it triggered by hormones it's uh, uh, what when will we know they're in the rut so th- this is where it's important to kind of separate the science apart from how we feel about the weather because yeah. usually for us as deer hunters we start getting those frosty mornings and uh you know it stays cool throughout the day and the days get shorter and we feel like okay yeah the the, the rut's the rut's going to happen and we could have that in early you know, we could have those kind of that kind of weather in early october the reality is the rut is always the same, uh, and it is determined by photo period. So okay. deer are uh, slaves to how much daylight there is. And when there is a certain amount of daylight, their hormones react as a result of that. And so that's when does start to, um, start to uh, become more receptive 
to bucks and bucks increase their uh, testosterone production. And for most of Missouri, most of the Midwest, November 14th is kind of considered the peak estrus date. And that's when the majority of does are the most receptive to being bred. And so everything leading up to November 14th is kind of considered, um, uh, I should say early, late October, early November is kind of considered pre-rut. And then you start to get closer to that, um, that November 14th period. Then, then it's really like you're in the rut area there. And so deer hunting for our area is going to get pretty tough here this weekend because it's pretty darn warm, but we're going to get a cool snap. And if you look at deer cast, it's showing that uh, cool temps are coming. The barometer is going to be increasing. We've got a, a favorable moon phase coming. And so deer activity is going to get really, really good here uh, towards the, the end of October. So we're all very excited about that. But to get back to your original question, photo period, the amount of daylight always dictates uh, when the rut happens. Nice. Okay, so you captured Tim. You captured uh, some footage of two bucks that were uh, for they were you know engaged. Is that the one that went viral? Is that the one I sent you? No, this is so I was hunting over in Eureka, um, and uh, and I had just had these bucks kind of lock up in front of me. So um, so yeah, they, they were both three year old three year old deer, and so they weren't quite quite you know to the peak of their maturity so i kind of let them go but it was re- it was really neat to see that activity and see it so up close and he, you know hear the clacking of the antlers and everything pretty cool oh yeah so uh and and your your uh, uh your cameras that are out your game cams that are out in the field um it, are are deer mainly nocturnal are they are they just moving all the time uh technically deer are considered crepuscular animals which means that they (laughs) uh we all know that word uh which means that they are most active during kind of those twilight hours that's how the physiology their the physiology of their eyes are really dialed into that kind of twilight that dawn and dusk period though that that's when they're the most active I, i i really think that like direct sunlight kind of screws with their eyesight a little bit i think they they prefer that kind of dusky light and so that they're typically more active during that time and then they also tend to be more active overnight especially when temperatures are are really warm where there's a full moon um and 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 that's why it's so important for hunters to figure out when they're going to be on their feet during the daytime because that's our that's our only opportunity to get them and for a mature buck that might be just a few hours every day that they're actually up and moving around. And so, you know, that starts to feel like a needle in the haystack proposition right. when you have limited time and limited access to determine when you're going to go hunt. It's like you, you want to have the best chance possible when you go out and sit in the stand to encounter a good deer that's up and moving around. That's a good, it's a good point. Uh, Tim Chelswick is our guest from Dury Outdoors. Since we're on the subject and you mentioned deer cast a couple times for people who are listening right now to the program who maybe aren't familiar with it, uh, it kind of explain it again, because I've downloaded it to my phone and I think it's fantastic because I've got a lot of questions that you answer with for me through the technology. What, what all do you plug into this thing to make it work? 
So really you just give it uh, whatever locations you're going to be hunting at and then it pulls in real-time weather data out to 14 days and it will give you a deer movement prediction based on over 13 different meteorological factors that include things like wind and wind speed and wind direction and cloud cover and temperature and and departure from average temperature and moon phase and time of the year like there's there's a and time of the day there's a lot of different factors deer are not uh, uh you know simple creatures they react to uh, uh, a bunch of different variables and those variables all interplay with each other so deercast pulls in all that weather data and all that moon data and then it runs it through our custom algorithm and it gives you an hour by hour prediction of likely deer movement all the way from bad to great and uh, and so so not only that but then we also have a deer recovery tool in there you can pick your point of impact on a deer and it'll tell you you know show you like the organ systems that you hit and it'll tell you if the shot was lethal or not and how long to wait if you're going to go uh, blood trail it and, uh, and and then we have we have maps in deercast now so you're talking about putting out uh, a deer stand you can put that stand on your map you can drop wow. waypoints for your mineral sites and your trail cameras or your deer sightings and we have a wind checker on there too it animates the wind over any particular area that you want so you can see like should i go hunt this stand like is the wind going to be blowing into the direction where the deer are coming from or is it is it going to be safe for me to hunt so a lo- lot of great tools in there not to mention all of our videos and and shows and everything the deer have no chance at all with the deer cast. That's awesome. It's almost like a, it's almost like the Waze app when you're driving. You know, oh, is the cop still there? Yep, yep, yep. Um, kind of cool. Uh, and so uh, you brought your daughter out uh, a couple of years before she actually hunted. Is she excited about this year? Yeah, she she really is. She uh, she wants to kill a buck. She she really says she wants antlers on the wall, and she's killed a doe <laughs> before with a crossbow, and she was just over the moon about that. Uh, but but both her and my son, my son's five. He's going to be six years old. They they go shed hunting with me. Uh, if it's a decent hour of the day and I kill a deer, I'll have them come blood trail with me. There's a lot of you know, especially if 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 folks are out there and they want to get their kids interested in hunting and maybe you want to kind of stair step them into it. There's a lot of different things around hunting that you can do that are not actually hunting, but, but hunting adjacent to help them understand and get a concept and an appreciation for, for like my son is five, he'll be six and he really wants to kill a deer this year. And, and, and he like, he's technically proficient enough with the crossbow, but I don't think he understands the concept of death deeply enough to appreciate wow. the gravity of what he would be doing if he were to kill a deer. So even though he could practically kill a deer this year, I think I'm going to hold off another year. So may, so hopefully he appreciates the, you know, everything that's happening around that. And the fact that, you know, this animal is giving its life so that we can eat and, and provide for our family. Um, so, so the, the, the whole aspect of bringing your kids hunting is just, it's so incredible. It's just another, it's just another level of enjoyment that you can have and bonding and everything, but you just have to be really intentional about those, ex, those early exposures and making sure you do it right. I've heard horror stories of kids oh, yeah. going out and yeah, my dad made me pull the heart out of the deer and I never forgot about it and I've never hunted again. <laughs> and bit into it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or worse yet, they put a bad shot on a deer and they feel bad and the deer is wounded. And, like you just don't want to get into that territory, especially for, you know, an, an early, 
uh, experience and someone who's still being impressionable about the about the whole hunting experience. It's a good point. See, see I appreciate this. I really do, Tim, because I'm mapping out my strategy for this year. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna locate the 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 property. I'm gonna check deer casts, see what the conditions are. I'm going to get my gun sighted in. I'm going to be ready to go. And then basically, I'm just going to follow along Tim Chelswick and his family wherever they go. And that'll increase my odds. I think I've figured this out. And the strange vehicle tailing me every place I go hunting. It's bizarre. <laughs> no, I, I, I got I to gotta include here that I mentioned uh, that you took your daughter out a couple of years, you know, just to have her in the environment and with you in the deer stand. And uh, they were about, you know, they have a, a son. And they were wanting to take them deer hunting at some point. I said, no, you got to do it this way where you ease them into it. And I just think it's very thoughtful and thought out that the way you do it and the way you've done it. And I think it's going to make great hunters for the Chelsvik family. Well, thank you. And thank you for pronouncing my last name correctly. Also, it's it's a mouthful. (laughs) Did did you did you hunt any uh, any bear? Did you get a bear tag this year? I put in for it, Mark, but I did not get. Okay, all right. Oh, I saw a photo. I saw a photo the other day of yeah, Bigfoot. I saw a photo the other day of a guy who harvested a bear uh, somewhere in a local county. It was somewhere in the greater St. Louis area. I don't remember where. Uh, So, so clearly, people had success this year. Yeah, uh, that that is the first the first bear taken in the two years of uh, a modern um, season that we've had, which is pretty cool. You know, it pops the cork on, on our, you know, our new, the new chapter in Missouri conservation, a real, a true success story really, um, about, about bear and their, uh, their proliferation across the state. So I, you know, and and it's going to take a few years, I think for Missourians to become proficient bear hunters, because the reality is most of us, unless we've traveled out of state have never hunted bear. So, so we're, kind of figuring it out as as we go and and you know one so far this year and then you know we'll see what happens next year and and subsequent years and and i anticipate the bear population to continue to expand which just means more opportunities for people too well and i I will include here that uh, there's a viral video that just started going around i think yesterday or the day before where the guy caught a bear and he was like screaming at it and throwing stuff at it but he didn't have a firearm with him was that in Japan? Yeah, yeah. A guy was like on a on a, like a, a small mountain. He was scrambling up the side of this mountain. Yeah, this, yeah I saw a that. bear, <laughs> a bear came and, down and tried to charge him. And yeah, uh, it was it was pretty intense. And and the yeah, other story about the two wrestlers out in um, was it Col- Wyoming maybe who got attacked by a bear? It was near Cody, I think Cody, Ooh. Wyoming. That's and, Wyoming. Um, yeah, one jumped on the bear. Because it was on his buddy, and they both got severely injured. Then they had to hike five miles out to get help, and they're both going to oh recover. Goodness. But it was an amazing story. It was a grizzly wow, in that case. That's crazy. Yeah, you, I mean, you definitely have to have respect um, and 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 caution around yeah. these animals, and they've been anthropomorphized by uh, by movies and cartoons and everything. But the re- I mean, even even a small dog can do a lot of damage to a person if it decides to. If you know, multiply that by twenty times or whatever, and uh, and a, a bear can really do a lot of damage. In fact, we live out in High Ridge, and my daughter saw a black bear coming through the field just behind our house. She was on the wow. playset this summer, and she saw it. And she, you know, she knows what it is. She it, was, it wasn't a big raccoon. I'm, she says it was a black bear. I believe her. Um, and and I think just those, those sightings are going to become more and more common, and people are going to have to be more aware about how they store their trash. And, you know, if they let Fido out on the leash in the backyard, is that, you know, is that, 
a safe thing to do. And, um, and, and, and even with coyotes and, and when we're seeing more mountain lions in the state of Missouri. So we're, yeah, we're going to have to be the ones that are adapting, I think, as these species continue to, to make a comeback. And with technology, we're getting footage of all that, that stuff, too. From Drury Outdoors, the Thinking Woodsman podcast, and DeerCast, you want to uh, up your deer hunting game, this is the guy, Tim Chelsvik. Thank you so much for joining us again. We will talk to you maybe mid-season and see how things are going with you and your daughter. Hopefully she does get that buck. Yeah, thanks, guys, and, uh, and, and good luck to you all, too. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Tim, thank you. I'll be following you soon. Uh, just All right, look, look for the I'll be watching for you. <laughs> All right, hey, coming up, you know what? Um, they they they're making an about face in the St. Louis City Public Schools. They've decided maybe just just maybe we should start teaching kids about gun safety. I know it's shocking, but we're gonna we're gonna kick that around on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors coming up. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.